Welcome to the Oxford Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Annalise Escobar, and I'm a public policy master's student at the Blatnik School of Government here at Oxford. It's my pleasure to be once again here with you. Today, we are opening a new mini-series featuring young policy practitioners from the Masters of Public Policy. Joining me in the recording studio, we have Charlie Hicks, a council member of the City of Oxford, and James Small Edwards, a council member from the City of London. They are both representatives from the Labour Party. And so I'm going to give you a brief introduction before we dive into the conversation. Charlie has a background in behavioral science, and besides being an MPP student, he is serving as councillor at the Oxfordshire County Council, representing Cowley in East Oxford, which he was elected in May 2021. He is now deputy leader of the Labour Group. James is currently serving as Deputy Cabinet Member for Planning and Economic Development at the Westminster City Council. In May 2022, he was elected to Westminster City Council as a councillor representing Bayswater. So I'm very intrigued about hearing their experience as young politicians. Um, So let's go into our conversation and welcome to both of you. Thanks for accepting the invitation. Um, I'd like to know... Your experience as young politicians, how it, it is to be a young representative. Um, Charlie, let's get it off with you. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, first off, yes, what's it like to be a young politician? I remember this question, thinking about this quite a lot, just before I stood for election and seeing, especially in the UK and local politics, the way that local government's set up to be a councillor, you get paid enough sort of a day or two days a week. Um, so much less than the sort of, so what, you get paid about £10,000 a year as a county councillor. You might get paid less than that if you're a tier two, if you're a city councillor, say. Um, and what that means is you get a lot of pensioners. You get a lot of people who are homeowners, have finished their jobs, uh, and this is a nice thing to do in retirement. And so the average age of a councillor in the UK is about 60, whereas the average age of the population is about 40. And so being a young person coming into this, there was a very, I remember thinking more young people should do this. Simply just to, if anything else, to to tip the balance back to be more representative. Um, And I think that's the first thing to say about being a young councillor is the the environment is not set up for you to, to work in that environment. You feel young and out of place. The meetings are in the wrong times of the day. Um, uh, things aren't set up for young people. So it's it's, it's been an interesting kind of couple of years, just first off sort of wrapping my head around how it works uh, and feeling like this isn't a sort of environment that's set up for you. However, it's, it's also been one of the best experiences of my life to date. Uh, and the the conversations you have with people, the responsibility you have, uh, the change that you can make happen, um, it's all pretty incredible. So yeah, mixed bag so far. James, do you feel identified with that description? Uh, Besides being one of the youngest, I guess, um, not only that, but also the idea of the representation of the young people in in the city. Um, how, How is it for you in London? Yeah, so it's something I thought about quite a bit when I was, when I was first standing, similarly to Charlie. When I first got selected, I remember thinking, gosh, are people you know, going to take me seriously when I'm on the doorstep and uh, campaigning? Because I was running in a very, very marginal ward, conservative held, and it was going to take a, you know, a lot of effort to win it. And yeah, I remember being very, very, very conscious of it initially and wanting to ensure that you know, I was taken seriously. 
And I think I was. I think I was. I, I was quite surprised how little actually came up on the doorstep when I was conversing with people. I think I can remember one instance, maybe, out of, you know, hundreds, thousands of doors knocked where, where someone brought up my age kind of in, in a negative, negative sense. I think a lot of people, young people, but middle-aged people, older people, kind of see a young person in politics and think, yeah, good on you. We need, we need a bit of change. We need some new blood. We need things to go in a, in a fresh direction. So certainly from the campaigning end, I would say it was received very, very well. It was received very, very well. And that was quite surprising to me and something that was obviously very welcome. Then when I got elected, I think then kind of, yeah, I, I do see a lot of similarities with what, with what Charlie has said in that the institutions are set up in a way that it is most conducive to someone who doesn't work because like I say, many of the meetings are in the day. The council officers obviously work often nine to five or nine to six or, or, or during those kind of key work hours. And a lot of councillors who are like myself and Charlie in their twenties will be doing something full-time alongside being a councillor. So it does, it does make it very difficult because you feel like you can't get as much done as potentially, uh, you know, retired colleagues who, who don't work and, and, and can be around and more active in those core hours. Whereas a lot of the work certainly I do is, is in the evening, very late at night, you know, I'll be sending emails then. Uh, so, so, so from that perspective, it, it can make it more difficult, but I do think we need more young people in council chambers. Absolutely. We need more young people at every level of representation in, in British politics. So I would say, you know, if, if you are passionate about public policy and you do want to make change, and do you think you have something to contribute, then, then get involved because the only way we're going to change it is for more people who are, you know, in their twenties to, to get involved in politics. I would just chime with that on the campaign front. Absolutely. People were really happy to see uh, a young face on the doorstep. And also the Labour Party wants more young people to come forward. Young people coming forward, people who are involved in the selection processes and describing how this all works are really, really uh, in favour of young people coming forward and will help them. So that's, yeah, that was really helpful when I when I put myself forward. On the, on the few years that you've both been on the job, have you seen a difference of more young people getting involved? I mean, of course you are yourselves an influence in your own immediate social circles even here, just being at the MPP and engaging with all your classmates, you've seen what's the the, the political intentions that people are um, going through. Is it something that you see changing or, or stepping more um, back? Well, certainly in, in a Westminster context, I think there was maybe one councillor in their 20s before the last election, that, when I got elected in May 2022. And now we have maybe six or seven. So, And there's 54 councillors. So, you know, it's it's getting better. It's getting better, and I think, I think the direction of, of the country nationally. This is quite a party political point, but has been so, so poor over the last few years that a lot of people, young people, are fed up, and a lot of people are, are wanting to make change, and that's that's a positive, I think. And now, how do you do that? How do you uh, navigate through the connecting with your district members? I mean, you're you're, you're going on a full time student. A position right now. Um, how do you balance that? How do you, you, you said you were working late hours at night and then how do you do the engagement with the citizens? Well, last year when, when I first got elected, I was also working for an MP in parliament at the same time. So I was, I am very used, to, the whole time I've been a councillor, I've been incredibly busy with, with work stuff as well. And that's obviously continued now with, with the year at BSG. So yeah, I haven't really had a, an opportunity to, to chill very much since I got elected. So it's kind of becoming a, yeah, free time and friends are kind of coming, becoming a distant memory, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been fine. And it's, I think it's very complimentary. A lot of the stuff that we've done at BSG, for instance, at the minute, I'm doing a housing module uh, module with, with Peter Kemp, which is you know, directly 
super relevant and super helpful for what I'm doing on the council. So I, f- I found it very beneficial. And that was kind of the motivation for me coming was I thought having that, you know, one, uh, one ear in the, in academia, one ear in the real world, trying to make change was, was going to be complementary. And that's certainly what I found to be the case. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well in terms of the course being beneficial, uh, beneficial to being a counsellor because it helps you basically understand how the council works, how government works, how policy works, what's realistic. Um, in terms of staying in touch with local residents, um, I think there's sort of multiple channels and people people will be commun- like will want to be communicated with in different ways. There's the kind of baseline doorstep and it's easier for me perhaps than James, although actually James, um, I'm sure is doing this a lot at the moment as well in London, going out on the doorstep and just and chatting to people regularly as, as the baseline, just easier because I'm in Oxford and PSG is in Oxford. Um, but then there's also everything online from email to social media, um, phone calls every now and again um, for particular residents, speaking at public meetings. So these kind of things we just sort of sprinkle throughout our calendars uh as we go and then of course leafleting as well if we're another kind of variation of, on the doorstep so there's a lot of dialogue and um yeah maybe newspaper articles as well if we um getting getting word out that way too yeah and i think that's charlie set the nail on the head in that you've got to have a diversity of engagement because you know certain people will be very active and be part of their say their residence association group and, and can email you through that but other people won't be and you know you need to do that physical campaigning on the doorstep if you're going to reach them we also hold a regular surgery, we call it, every every other Saturday, where we just sit in the library for a couple of hours and residents can literally just come and have a meeting with us, no appointment, and kind of air any any concerns they have in the local area. So I think offering that different methods of engagement are, are important, where you've got the digital, but you've also got that in-person physical aspect as well, so you're not leaving anyone out. You're definitely being very active. Um, and you, I mean, taking advantage of the idea of, as you said, James, having a step here in academia, are you taking advantage on research topics that are definitely um, feeding your agenda or feeding your policy priorities? Um, you, you mentioned housing. Traffic is also a, a big, big talk, a topic um, at Oxford. Do you want to share a bit of your experiences in the policy implementation side? I remember when uh, we were studying uh, government comms. So we've got our core modules, but every every now and again we have like week-long modules from external speakers coming in. And there was some external speakers um, from a government comms agency. And there was a, a whole lecture on conspiracy theories. And it was like that weekend, it was the weekend before, the weekend after, that we had this like 2,000 people come to Oxford um, fearing that our policy on traffic filters, which... It makes it a little bit hard. It makes it not possible to drive through the city, but you can still drive anywhere you want. This has been picked up and turned into a story about not allowing people to leave their local areas, which wasn't true, but it was sort of a oil lobby-fed conspiracy theory. Anyway, so we had sort of two thousand odd people turn up from across the country to Broad Street in Central Oxford, and it was it was great timing because you sort of had this whole uh, conspiracy theory module uh, on comms, being like, oh yeah, that's what we should be doing. Um, and plenty of others. I mean, the the housing module um, James mentioned is is something that I'm taking to and um, will be feeding into what I do for the summer project. And that's also come from the work I've been doing in the council, thinking how do we um, move away from road building as a policy option, as a, as a policy choice um, for climate, for health, for money reasons, um, 
but then how do you build houses if you're not building as many roads? Uh, and so these are th lots of different um, parts of the course coming together. It's great. Yeah, and I think for me that the housing one, as I mentioned before, kind of kind of sticks out. Last week I had to give a presentation on the history of social housing in Britain and, and what the future of it might look like, and you know that is directly helpful to what I'm doing on the council because we came in with a big pledge to provide more social housing uh, for our residents. You know, over the last 40 years, the social housing stock in, in, in the UK has really declined and that's led to terrible policy outcomes in my view for, 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 many, for many people. And yeah, that, that direct connection to, okay, I have a much deeper understanding of the history of it. I have a much deeper understanding of the policy implementation process because of the work I'm doing at, at BSG in, in Oxford. And then I can take that to the council and be like, okay, right, this is what we need to do. This is how and yeah, if I, if I hadn't been here, I wouldn't have had that that depth of knowledge. I would have still had the the policy objective, but I wouldn't have had the intellectual and academic heft behind me to necessarily push it forward in the in the way I'd want to. And that's also true in other areas, as you said. I'm deputy cabinet member for economic development. We had our economics course in first term of this year, and I hadn't done economics since since I was at school. So it was very good to have another refresher and, and deepen my knowledge there, and and yeah, progress that into stuff. I want to do with Westminster Investment Service and attracting, you know, the industries of the future into Westminster. And on the, on these specific policy topics you're you're working on, I like to understand uh, how much freedom do you get on setting your agenda priorities, and how do you build the coalitions that are necessary to advance that? Because you cannot do that by yourselves, even even if it's a a, a big topic for 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 the party. How do you um, do partnerships with outside actors? Um, tell me a little bit about some examples on how you've had to look outwards or set allies, even from your uh, not not from your own party. Well, this will be this will be interesting to see because um, we'll probably have different perspectives because our we're in different kind of political situations. So I'm in Oxfordshire County Council, uh, and Labour is the sort of smaller party in uh, three party. Uh, coalition well it's the, it's the middle size party so you've got the Lib Dems and the Greens who have formed a single group together of 24 councillors then you've got Labour with 15 councillors and so together we're 39 and uh, a majority needs something like 33 so we're so we that's how we have a working majority and but what that means is everything is a negotiation and is a back and forth uh, between the parties and also within within the parties you'll have different opinions and so yes i suppose what's what's a good way to describe um the way i see it is you have different interest groups out in the public who are creating these kind of different poles of opinion almost and they sort of have a gravity about them and they're they're pulling the sort of center of what the political opinion in both directions and then you'll have within the uh politicians you'll have people who are more favorable to to either side um and then i suppose different people are swayed on different things some people are swayed more on evidence some people are swayed more on their sort of values and what they sort of really stand for and what they want to see in in the future how's your experience been um also is, the, is it a more polarized environment in london as, as Charlie alluded to, my situation is probably quite different and, and there's probably been less coalition building because, well, funnily enough, I'm, I'm not in coalition. So basically the situation in Westminster is that after being in con under Conservative control for, for about 60 years, since the foundation of Westminster Council, we took the council for the very first time as a Labour Party last year. And we have a majority on the council. We have 31 uh, Labour and uh, some Labour and Cooperative councillors. 
uh, and 23 Conservatives. So, so we have a majority and that does make things a lot easier, I think, because we've all stood on the same manifesto. We're all broadly coming from the same ideological position. And we are very, very united Labour group under uh, fantastic leadership of our uh, leader of council, Council Adam Hugg. So certainly so far, there haven't been too many, too many difficulties. But what I would say is that I think when you're younger, and even maybe as an undergrad, I probably had this, <laughs> this perspective as well. You think of kind of politicians as imperious and all conquering kind of can do whatever they want, just clicking their fingers. And yeah, the reality, even, even when you are elected and even when you are in these positions is, is quite different. You know, you do have different stakeholder groups. You do have to balance different interests and uh, you do have to, you know, keep, keep popular and, and, and keep the public on side and with you. And I think that's one of the benefits of our system of government and why I think, you know, democracy still delivers the best outcomes because you do ultimately have to have to bring the public with you. You know, you're not allowed to rule by decree. You do have to get that engagement and, and convince people with your with your arguments, with your ideas and with your policies. And you have to deliver on the ground. And, you know, that's hopefully what we're doing in Westminster. Hopefully we we keep united as we have been so far. And and I think that will, will lead to better outcomes for our residents, which is ultimately why all of us are doing this. You, you two are setting such an inspiring tone uh, to to this to public service. I um, I hope many people here are inspired in that sense to to get involved. Um, so now looking forward to the future, how do you see your career paths growing from from here? I mean, the council can be just the beginning of 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 your political life. Um, I've heard in some occasions about your plans for the future. So you want to share with your audience? Well, I think. My hands are, are pretty pretty busy at the minute. To be honest, I haven't I haven't given it a, a, a tremendous amount of thought. I very much enjoyed the year at BSG. Very much enjoyed uh, my how long is it? Just over twelve months now as a as a councillor, and yeah, still still very much trying to trying to deliver on on the promises we made and implement the manifesto. So I've got my summer project coming up. I'm planning on writing something on uh, on devolution uh, to England. And what you know it might look like in terms of regional devolution and, and transporting the model that that we have in London with with the mayor and the GLA system, and what would that look like in the rest of England? So I'm very much focused on that, focused on the council work that I've got coming up, focused on the priorities of our administration, and yeah, I'm very very relaxed about the about the future. I think awesome. And you plan going on for re-election? Yes, yes, I, I very much do. So the, the next elections would be in 2026. So thankfully, thankfully, a few years, years yet, a few more years to, to to try and deliver on 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 what we promised. But yeah, I definitely, definitely plan on doing it again. You know, it is, it isn't straightforward being a being a young person in politics, as we've articulated. But you know, if you've got that drive, you've got that hunger, you've got that passion to really deliver for your residents, then it's the best thing you could do. And I couldn't recommend it any higher. Thank you, James. And what about you, Charlie? Any um, tips and recommendations for anyone that is hearing us uh, that would get would like to get involved into politics? I'm just uh, just to pick up what James said. I'm fascinated by um uh, by his summer project because this question of devolution is really well. That's that's the other sort of big thing to talk about in terms of English local politics is that it's such a patchwork at the moment in terms of powers uh, that are devolved to the sort of cities and regions. At the moment, we're one of the most centralised countries, if not the most centralised country, I think, in Europe. Um, and that then that has an impact on what you can deliver. So um, both, I think both parties in some form or another are committed to more devolution. Um, and what that looks like is, um, to answer your question, will um, have a bearing on, on what I do. Um, there's sort of so many moving parts, it's difficult to exactly plan 
next steps um, precisely, but I'm I know I'm interested in in particularly transport and place and how do we take uh, emissions out of the transport sector and so um, for me so local politics and uh, yeah elected office is the best place to do that and that's what I'm planning to do uh, for the foreseeable future um, yeah in terms of people listening and and if they're interested in themselves standing for me i think the, the, the transition i remember before i stood i thought oh politicians are almost like a different class of people and like do they always want to did they want to sort of stand for election from the day they were born and sort of how on earth do you get into this and there's this, such a big kind of cloud of um not really knowing how it worked from being a, a sort of non-elected citizen to being a politician and, and this almost insurmountable gap between the two. And there is a lot of bureaucracy and kind of complicated stepping stones there. But actually, politicians are just like everybody else, are just sort of often get in because they care about a particular campaign issue and they campaign on something um, and then they find out that the political process is the way to get it done or they're really um, invested in the political party and it's the, and it's the kind of obvious next step. Um, but more and more, uh, I, I think one of the but one of the ways that we will improve our political systems is if we have, frankly, sort of more competition for uh, people becoming politicians, especially at the local level, um, where it's kind of overlooked at the moment, and the role of councils, I think, is 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 overlooked as as being a really really important part of the political system, and they're actually very powerful organisations that don't uh, get the attention that they deserve. So more people standing for local office in particular, uh, there's a huge opportunity to improve politics in the country that way, I think. And and I just encourage anyone to say that there is no barrier to to being a politician, um, at least theoretically, there may be practically, but you should never think I'm not the right kind of person because in, in politics, the idea is that everybody is represented. And so literally anybody could be because you have your own life experience you have all all, all your different backgrounds you, you have your the people that you know and the area that you've come from and so you are just as eligible to stand as, as anyone else uh i think that's an important thing that um for people to hear definitely and thanks for for just highlighting how relatable we we should be feeling about our about politicians and other representatives because that certainly closes that gap between representation uh, and the leaderships um, we have as citizens so thanks so much to you for joining the oxford policy pod uh, i'm definitely looking forward to your new political endeavors and how you navigate through this um, arena of being a young politician so see you next time and to our audience remember to follow us on our social media you can find us on instagram as oxford policy pod and you can share this podcast um, through all the channels thank you so much for joining thank you thank you